Counterpunch Radio. My name is Eric Dreitzer. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to episode 57. Sorry for the late uh, posting and publishing of this episode. I've had an incredible series of technical problems with my uh, computer, with my recording equipment, and so forth. But the reason I bring that up is just to illustrate something. Nobody is funding this project. <laughs> George Soros has not given us money. Uh, nobody's given us grants. I got a crappy little laptop and a crappy little mixer and a crappy little microphone, and I do my best to make this happen. And so I bring all of that up to illustrate that when we talk about independent media, alternative media, and the importance of supporting independent media, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. This is the kind of stuff I'm dealing with, a shitty laptop, bad recording equipment, because I don't have any other money to spend on this. So my point here is Counterpunch's fun drive right now is so critical. I mean, there are so few places on the left, online, or anywhere that we can go and say, this is one of our spaces. This belongs to us. This is where we can hash it all out. This is where we can organize our ideas, where we can fight over the issues, where we can really uh, be what the left is supposed to be, you know, that vibrant political space. And there's so few of those left. I mean, look at the liberals fawning over Hillary Clinton. Look at them wetting themselves over Donald Trump. And yet we, uh, who refuse to accept either of those, are branded ultra-leftists, purists, and all this other stuff. You should see the hate mail that comes in because of a critical approach to Bernie Sanders, a critical approach to Hillary Clinton, and all of that. Counterpunch is kind of like an outpost in the wilderness. So it is vital, in my view, to support it, especially now in the fun drive. There's not a lot of, there's there's no advertising. You don't have any ad revenue coming into Counterpunch. You don't see them, you know, pushing the, you know, the, the colloidal silver pills and the colon, you know, cleansing, vitamin D, whatever, whatever, you know, all that crap you find on all these websites. You don't have all of that. Instead, there's books and there's articles and that's it. Okay. Think about it. Take that money that you're you're spending at Starbucks. Take that money you're spending on your cable bill or whatever, and just take a tiny little piece of that and give to Counterpunch if you think it's valuable. Uh, so with all of that out of the way, let me turn to my guest this week. I'm really happy to have him on the show. Uh, he is... Well, he is a candidate for president from the Socialist Party. He is a pretty kick-ass dude who's got a great taste in music, and he knows what's up. So, Mimi Soltisic, welcome to Counterpunch Radio. Man, thank you so much for having me on, and and just listening to your intro there, um, I'm just thinking to myself how much I appreciate what y'all do. Uh, so important, and it's so great that we have spaces like that out there. Uh, so, again... Much respect and gratitude, and thank you so much. Great. Thanks for that. Um, now, Mimi, I, I want to jump right into the pressing issue right now. I mean, we're recording here just a couple of weeks before Election Day. Obviously, you know, everybody's been beaten over the head senselessly with the Trump and Clinton clubs. And, um, you know, I want to ask you a broad question and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself a little bit. Um, but the, and, and the question I want to ask is, why? Why run for president? What's the point? What are you trying to do? Right. Uh, um, I, I mean, that's a, good, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think, you know, the Socialist Party USA as a radical organization, you know, generally on, on uh, the day-to-day uh, mainstream media is not banging down our door to see what we're up to. Um, we know that kind of changes a little bit during the general election. And a year ago, uh, or a little bit over a year ago, you know, we considered the possibility that with the inclusion of Bernie Sanders into this election, that the media opportunities, the mainstream media opportunities might heighten a bit. Um, so we wondered about the possibility of taking advantage of those media opportunities and kind of flipping the idea of a traditional electoral campaign, particularly at this level, but flipping on, on its head um, and essentially saying to folks, one, you know, delivering an unapologetically radical revolutionary message. Um, and uh, two, basically saying to folks, you know, don't look to us as candidates. Uh, let's look at one another and let's work on building relationships 
um, that ultimately are prepared to engage in strategic planning at the local level throughout the country uh, that identifies pressure points within the capitalist system and is prepared to act, strike those points, and replace them with um, alternatives. Um, and uh, that's basically what's been happening. I mean, I don't know that we would have anticipated on the front end that we would have received the extent of mainstream media coverage that we've gotten so far. I mean, to date, outlets like uh, Vice, Univision, the LA Times, um, on and on, have done features on the campaign. That's wonderful. Um, Angela and I and the rest of the folks working on the campaign, we kind of made a commitment on the front end to make ourselves as accessible uh, to folks as we possibly could be because we thought that if we're reaching broader audiences with this, again, um, sort of explicitly radical message, that a lot of folks who'd be responding would express feelings of fear and concern, you know, what's going to happen to me if I get involved with something like this, that sort of thing. So, you know, we wanted to make ourselves as accessible as we could on a very one-to-one -one personalized basis to help do what we could to address those fears. And secondly, as folks who had nothing to do with lefty work or organizing work, as they were coming in and saying, okay, I'm interested, but I have no idea where to go. I don't know where in my community that movement work is being done. Um, our hope was that we'd be able to use, um, you know, our national network of friends and allies and comrades, et cetera, to help plug folks into movement work throughout the country and to help them establish relationships that go far beyond um, election day. Whether or not our, those comrades, friends, allies are socialist party or not, that's not really a big deal, you know. Um, it's it's just really helping to plug folks into movement work um, throughout the country, and that, that's what that's what we've been doing, you know. You know, it's interesting to me that you say it that way because in, in, in effect, actually something we were talking about the, the last time you and I were chatting, you know, that the party that, that, that you belong to, I mean, it's history. This comes out of Eugene Debs. This comes out of the literally the roots of American socialism. And, and in fact, it's one of the guiding principles for Debs. And one of the things that makes Debs one of the great Americans of all time, literally this idea that he that he was not separate from the masses that mm. he was not separate from the people but rather that he was of the people and that he would rise only when the people rose and i think that is an important message to get across which is not always the case with political parties it must be said i'm with you 100 percent. you know i mean i think you know we're sort of uh it's an institution that the the candidacy you know and i think for so many um, we're taught, we're, we're sort of conditioned to look at candidates as providing the solutions and individuals. And what that does is it, it's, it's, it's um, you know, it, it's a con. It's sort of a, a diversion away from looking at systems that are the problem, the systems that enable these individuals. You know, we continue to see, you know, look at the oligarchs, you know, they're terrible, et cetera. Um, and if you vote for me or if you look at me, I'm going to be able to take care of the oligarchs, et cetera. I'm going to be able to you know, beat that system myself. Like, well, fuck that. You know, like I can't say as a candidate. Um, I mean, shit. Let's be real. If 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 in a, a hypothetical fairy tale situation where I was elected as president, you know, like I couldn't fucking do that. You know, um, the people are going to have to do that. The people are going to have to make that change. You know. So I think um, if Angela and I couldn't say these sorts of things. Uh, throughout this campaign, we wouldn't be the people to 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 do this, you know. Um, I, I, I'm not telling folks to look at me or to you know look at Angela. You know, what we're saying is like, hey, let's work together, you know, and let's find ways to support and encourage one another. Uh, let's try to do it in a, in a in a non-sectarian way, in a way that's very warm and inclusive and focuses on our shared humanity, you know, and. Um, so far, a lot of folks have, have responded in a really positive way. I think, you know, folks on the left are so used to being just um, uh, beaten by each other, you know, that I think it feels good to, to, to step into an environment where, like, they have folks give a shit about you and consider you as a person, who you are, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this um, earlier today, you know, 
you and I spoke yesterday for the very first time, you know, and knowing very little about one another, <laughs> um, our, our ideological, where we're coming from ideologically, et cetera. And in a very short amount of time, uh, you know, the way the conversation was developing, it was like we were old friends, you know, and That's true. You know, we're, we're human. It's not like, you know, we're not going to agree on every single uh, piece. Um, yet at the end of that conversation, I'm thinking to myself, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm ready to work with this guy. You know, um, that's a friend. That's a comrade. That's somebody I'm ready to work with. And like, well, that was just incredibly easy. And just by being human and respecting one another. Well, well, shit, like there's a key, there's an answer, you know? So um, I, I'm optimistic about what's possible while also being, um, you know, practical about the, the kinds of challenges that we all face. Sure, the challenges, the limitations, I think those are the things that uh, people on the left, people who are, you know, seasoned veterans of activist work and whatever, matter of fact, you don't even have to be, you could be pretty new to it and already know this sort of really difficult to overcome ingrained sense of um what's the word i mean sort of like masochism almost that, that comes out of you know being on the left and and being a radical and being so accustomed to just being irrelevant that you kind of begin to feel like it's almost like an act of some kind of you know uh um I don't know what self self self-flagellation. Uh, self yeah self-flagellation or at the very least it's like self-proclamation at least you can proclaim that you're important right but in effect we what we're what we're seeing here is I think a shift in consciousness that no one is ready to seize upon and there are elements in this country I think that are trying to do that but it's not always it's not always so simple and I'm going to give an example uh in the context of of my coming across your work and your candidacy. Um, I, I've seen it on social media here and there, but I didn't look too carefully at it. And then I believe it was an LA Times article that had to do with uh, police brutality and police murder, I think it was. And here's this guy who's running for president on a socialist ticket saying in the Los Angeles Times, well, the thing that we really need to do is abolish the LAPD. <laughs> you know, and and that to to just see that in the L.A. Times and to hear it from a legitimate candidate, you know, whether or not you're on every ballot in every state or whatever is a moot point. But I think piercing through that wall, getting into the consciousness of the public, especially of younger people, that's important. And I think that's something that we weren't doing, say, 10 years ago that we are doing now. And what does that say about the changing political landscape? I, I would say that some of this, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, a credit here from, you know, folks like you, folks who uh, who acknowledge, um, appreciate, contribute uh, to that narrative. You know, I, I I would ask to me what's what's important is and, and I'm not saying this is an abstraction or as a rhetorical question, but to you, Eric, um, you know, I, I, I know you're a father, right? Um, <laughs> how how it is that you know you come to the space that you're at you know and i think you know you're 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 a real person you know um how it is that you come to this place that you're at and i think in your answer um i think we find some of the answers to these questions I, i'm interested to know how did you get to this the spot that you're at right now Boy, turning the tables on the interviewer, I see. Well, um, yep. it's it's. I think everybody's got you know, and I hate to sound cliche and lame, but everybody's got a journey, right? And and everybody's journey is different. I know some of my some of my friends are raised in radical households, and and they kind of absorb that at almost like a birthright. And for me, it was kind of the opposite because I come from a very uh, right wing conservative family and, um, you know, one that has a very pro uh, imperialist, I want to say pro US, but pro imperialist, pro uh, Zionist outlook and um, so for me it was a process of many years of kind of deconstructing what I had been taught as a child and um, 
I think I was radicalized around the Iraq War, uh, uh-huh. 2002, 2003, as the buildup to that war was happening. I was be- I was in college at the time, and I was opening my eyes to more political issues. And you know that process of radicalization was somewhat gradual, and I passed through a phase of anarchism. I passed through a phase of uh, I guess you could call it social democrat, you know, something along those lines. And um, you know, uh, reading Lenin, reading Trotsky, reading all of the different, you know, uh, obviously Marx and others, and kind of refining and 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 perfecting my own politics, which is still, of course, a work in progress, as it is for everybody. And um, but I also think that to some degree, it's the circumstances of our time. I I, I look around us right now, and I look at the threats that we're facing, both as uh, uh, the working class and poor, but also as a country, also as a species. I kind of, I look at all of these things and then I, I wonder to, well, how could you not be radicalized? Right, right. And Eric, I think as I'm hearing you talk, right, um, you know, you've expressed a very sort a very human story, you know, and I think that um, if there are folks who are going to be listening to this program and especially folks, you know, um, who they might not be terribly familiar with uh, the U.S. left. But they hear that story um, and they can see themselves in that story and they can identify with parts of that story. And in doing so, it helps them to take another step forward. You know, they can say, I hear this this person's story, Eric's story, and some of this um, resonates with me. I can identify with some of the story. And I think I see more and more folks like you and in expressing the story sharing those stories and using like social media um, to express those feelings and experiences. And I think it's really done a tremendous, uh, um, it's been a tremendous benefit, I think, to uh, the progression of the left. Um, And I think that there is a lot of reason for hope and optimism in that that sort of progression. Um, So, while I like, I, like I said, I, I fully acknowledge how incredibly profound the challenge is, um, and how really, uh, how incredibly bleak the conditions we're facing, how incredibly bleak they are. Um, at the same time, I, I, I do have this like this little sliver of of optimism, um, and and it's it, it largely comes from stories like that. You know, um, I appreciate that, and I would add one one other point that one of the other places where I find optimism, at least, is if you dig into the history of our our shared history, and when I say our, I mean on the radical left, mm-hmm. our shared history is one of struggle against the monumental forces of reaction, the monumental forces of capital, the monumental forces of power. I mean. If you think, if you feel powerless today in the United States in 2016, as quite rightly you should, because you are powerless in many ways, the power rests in the hands of a very small number of people. But if you feel that way, ask yourself how Russian workers felt in 1904. Did they feel empowered? Did they feel like they were on the verge of changing the world? No. Of course they didn't. It was right. circumstances. It was historical circumstances, historical processes that created the space for what ultimately happened first in 1905 and then really ultimately in 1917. And if you think about it in that way, and I'm not suggesting that we're going to have like a Bolshevik revolution in the United sure. States. I'm sure. saying, though, that those processes are always at work and the processes of our day, that's what we're identifying in places like Counterpunch. That's what we're identifying with these sorts of campaigns. And that's kind of the window that we're just trying to open just a crack, even if it means only another generation coming up behind us will be the one to kick in the fucking door. David, I mean, you, you nailed it. You know, uh, you know, uh, Russia in 1905, Russia in 1917, those folks didn't belong to a different species than us, you know? Um, and uh, um, the, the possibilities that, you know, that, that, uh, that, that we inherit, you know? Um, 
I, I, I am as, like I said, as I'm optimistic, I do look at those historical uh, um, uh, uh, pieces and do draw inspiration from them, you know, and like, well, shit, you know, like you said, those Russian workers, did they feel, you know, hopeful that, um, that they were going to be victorious? No, you know, um, do I acknowledge today that, like you said, the power rests in the hands of, uh, of, a, of a, a small number of folks, but they are incredibly powerful. The system is incredibly powerful. Um, even these steps like the abolition of police, you know, it, they're so um, daunting, the, the, the task, that it almost sounds like an abstraction, you know. Um, but do I think it's possible? Well, fuck yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't, you know. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're folks capable of, uh, you know, making rational choices and, and uh, you know, we're shaped by the, our experiences. And I, I'm just, uh, I, I'll tell you what, I really feel grateful uh, to be able to develop, build relationships with folks like you um, and, and so many of the folks that we meet every day um, and, and folks who are sort of committed to, you know, to that, that, that project and ultimately committed to revolution, you know. Absolutely. Now, the question that I want to pose to you is one that I've posed to a number of people, including uh, past uh, guests on this show, uh, in particular with regard to electoral politics, but really movement building in general. And that is this. The sectarianism that we see on the left, the fragmentation of it, and I'm not suggesting that there aren't differences of opinion, that there that are almost insurmountable, if not seemingly insurmountable ones, intractable differences, right? But from a from the most macro perspective, the left is so small. I mean, it's so tiny that isn't there isn't there this nagging question? of what it would look like if we could somehow, if not erase those those intractable differences, somehow overcome them. What right. would the left look like? What would radical politics look like? What would mainstream politics look like in the United States if this sort of utopian scenario that I'm talking about were to come about? I mean, th- those are certainly fascinating questions to ponder. Um, I, I, you know... I belong to one, you know, one organization that I pay membership to. I'm part of a bunch of other coalitions. I, I just within the one that I'm part of, I can say that there is this wish, and I know a lot of the folks within are doing it to, to be as inclusive and collaborative and cooperative with as many organizations as we possibly can. And I know that a lot of the folks are engaging other organizations and working on joint projects. Um, you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. There may be some organizations that um, that may be a real challenge, you know, uh, to the way their organizational model is, uh, you know. Um, but my hope is that as you're ex- you express sort of like this possible vision, I my hope is that that want for cooperation and collaboration um, really sort of accelerates and grows that it's going to marginalize the hypersectarianism that makes that, that cooperation uh, rather difficult. Um, you, you know what? And I think there's a way to do this. Um, again, I'll bring this back to our conversation yesterday. Like, you know, I didn't know prior uh, to the conversation whether or not for sure that you were in any particular organization. And ultimately, like, it, it, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, if you were, it, it, it doesn't matter to me, you know. Um, what matters is, well, what are we going to do together, you know. How, how are we going to work together, Um uh, you know, building a relationship with you, a working relationship with you, a friendship with you uh, that that that's going to extend beyond um, this particular campaign project. You know, that stuff's really important to me. Um, and I'm meeting more and more folks who that's important to them as well. And I am hopeful that as that number of folks grows, that it is going to overwhelm the, the hyper sectarianism. And I, I want to be able to say that for those folks who have a vested interest 
in maintaining that hypersectarianism that their days are probably numbered. You know, I, I totally agree with that. And, and just to add on to that point, I also think that, um, again, if you look at the history of the radical left, it has always been sectarian. This is not something that is new to just uh, this generation or, you know, the previous generation. This has been going on for a long, long time. But, and this is the key, those differences, those divides are ultimately overcome when historical circumstances necessitate that. And, sure. and World War I is a good example of that. That was a very clear uh, historical moment when a lot of organizations showed their true colors on one side or the other. In fact, a lot of them showed themselves to be uh, more or less sort of faux radical leftists, you know, right. in, in, in supporting this sort of nationalistic drive to war. Anyway, I don't want to go off on a World War One tangent other sure. than to say that that was a historical moment that altered the political landscape to such a degree that organizations and individuals that might never have worked together previously actually did. And I'm wondering, not that I'm certainly not wishing for a global catastrophe of that kind, but the, the, the fact remains there is a sort of Damocles hanging over all of us, and it's climate change, it's World War III potentially, it's global economic meltdown and a banking system collapse. It's a number of different issues that we're that we're looking at and i'm just wondering as we go further uh you know over the edge of the cliff are we going to see through some kind of osmotic sort of process that some of these divides become less meaningful i i think so i really do i firmly believe that you know um and i i think we're seeing some um evidence of it today you know uh like just here where I live in, in Los Angeles, um, we do see collaboration. We do see discussions. We do see a lot of friendship and camaraderie, you know? Um, and I think folks, uh, you know, one thing that's, that's, you know, conditions, we talk about, you know, uh, conditions, we talk about current conditions. Well, uh, we have that, you know, the benefit of the internet right now. Uh, we have the ability to share information rather quickly. Um, it's becoming increasingly more difficult uh, for the government and for the capitalist class to spin bullshit because people can fact check in real time um, and they can connect with others and share that information in real time. Um, so I think that, you know, people are becoming, you mentioned this sort of Damocles that's hanging over our head. I think uh, folks are, you know, they're understanding the gravity of all this. Now, for many of our communities, you know, they've been, they've been, you know, uh, that boot's been on their neck for so long, you know, and, uh, you know, I think for, you know, for so many people, they may be saying like, hey, you know, where you all been, you know? Um, but I think that what uh, like this information sharing um, and gaining a better understanding of the severity of these situations uh, is going to contribute to sort of the, the um, you know, the erasure of those sectarian walls. Um, and I, I actually think, too, like you, me, um, our friends are the folks we work with. I, I think we have a role to play here and we have a, we do have a lot of power in uh, that effort to break that, break those sectarian walls. Um, and ultimately I think we're going to be victorious with this, um, you know, because the alternative is, is basically like, well, shit, you know, continue to uh, spin your wheels, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now, one other point that I want to make, and this is, you know, I, I hate to refer back to a conversation that nobody's going to hear because it wasn't recorded, but but uh, just kind of building off of something you and I have discussed previously, one of the ways I think that the sectarian divides uh, are going to become maybe not maybe not totally erased, but certainly overcome to some degree is going to be with real world infrastructure and capacity building. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is the, the the taking of resources and channeling it directly to the needs of the working class and the poor. One example 
If you take a few of the left political parties that have some kind of fundraising apparatus, whether we're talking on a larger scale like the Green Party or on a smaller localized scale that's within a particular city or within a particular community or whatever, if you were to take those resources and channel them to one significant project, say rebuilding water systems in Flint, Michigan, and you were to de- dedicate the uh, resources to doing that, and the people in Flint knew, hey, these socialist groups came here and did what nobody else would do for us, and they fixed our water system. Talk about a coup in propaganda, but besides right. the propaganda value of that, that is making a real practical difference on the real world level for many many people in my view it's those kind of initiatives that are not only going to help working people and poor people but that is actually going to build a movement absolutely and i think you know engaging in projects like that where you can see um you know the results uh and you know victories are so hard to come by uh on the left you know where you can sort of feel like I contributed to something that had a tangible result, you know, um, that's sort that, that, that sort of thing is so important, you know? Um, and I, I think that message, what you just said right there, that's a message that needs to get out there is like these organizations. Um, and if you take this example, organizations that do have a fundraising apparatus, you know, there are so many opportunities to get out there in the community and make a real difference. You know, um, that we talked about this yesterday. That may mean that for a lot of folks, they have to break out of their comfort zone. They may have to engage the community. And you Perish know what? The thought. <laughs> right. It's, it's like you know, well, shit. <laughs> it's about <laughs> it's about time. You know, like. Um, so, you know, that may be a, a hurdle for some folks is to break out of that comfort zone and to start to engage in the community work. Um, now I know there are a lot of folks who are doing that work and that's really wonderful, but I think, uh, that number of folks who could be doing that could likely expand, um, to an incredible degree. Well, and, 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 and that it would be coordinated. It would be focused with, you know, laser like precision, you know, yeah. that, that is so critical because we, as we all know, the left is tiny and, and, and it, you know, in obviously in comparison to the general population sure. and, and our resources are very, very, very slim. So, you know, you really have to focus those things, you know, and, and, and again, one thing that I try to hammer home to people, and I know that you and I are on the same page on this, is that going into those communities and talking about, you know, Vanguard Party or building the left or whatever, you might as well be talking Chinese. You know what I mean? Tell me about how you're going to help me with my with my electricity bill. Tell me how you're going to help me put food on my table. Tell me how you're going to get me a job. You're going to work to to make sure that people in my community have jobs. And you know what I'm talking about? The, the, the nuts and bolts of daily life. There was a time, we're talking about Debs earlier, I mean, there right. was a time when socialists understood the necessity of getting down to the to 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 the you know the grassroots level and getting down to those base needs and i think and i'm not saying that nobody understands that obviously you know these are not my own pearls of wisdom but i think that sometimes that idea gets lost it does and it sounds like something that should be tremendously simple uh but it it gets lost like you said i mean I think that if we're able, you know, we are able, we are capable of of having a dialogue with our community in a way that is not condescending, that doesn't come across like a sales pitch. You know, um, we are capable of having a dialogue with our community as as fellow community members who give a shit about our fucking communities. You know, um, and what a treat that would be. You know, like, I mean, damn, man. Um, because, you know, when you see folks on the left who do engage in that and do treat folks like they give a shit about them, you do see progress and, um, you do see this receptivity to, you know, radical ideas. Um, and and it's funny, like you said, I mean, it's something that sounds so tremendously simple, you know, uh, 
But to actually see, I think, it happen on a broad scale within the U.S. left, it would be something of a revelation, you know. Um, but I am hopeful, you know. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm hopeful is, you, I, look, I do see folks like you and, and a lot of folks talking about this sort of thing every day. You know, I'm not in your direct community, but now I can see you talk on social media, you know. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure that folks uh, realize the ripple effect of their words, you know. And, you know, we can all feel sort of inconsequential, you know, like on the left. We're so used to, you know, just like shit, you know, getting just hammered. Um, but sometimes it can be difficult to 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 sort of acknowledge and accept the power that we do have and the positive effect that we do have on others. So when we talk about things like this, things that you just mentioned, well, that does have an effect. And those ideas, you know, the seeds of those ideas, they do get planted, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think like this is a ball that needs to keep rolling and it needs to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And who knows where that's going to lead, you know. Absolutely. Now, I, I want to throw a couple of, um, oh, I don't know if they're difficult questions, but I think for some people that might be in your position, maybe slightly uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want to sure. get I want to get your analysis of the Green Party. Uh, there's a lot of buzz about the Green Party, a lot of people on the left talking about it. I can tell you, and I make no obviously no secret about it, anybody could see the archives of this show. Ajamu Baraka has been on three times. He's a close friend of mine, a good, good comrade of mine, really knows his stuff, really on point on so many different issues. Uh, Jill Stein was on this program once as well. Um, I don't know her you know, in a personal way the way I know Ajamu but she was certainly a, a, a nice woman who really, you know, also has her uh, views and, and, and has been working very hard. But, and I say but because there's always a but here, but it's still a party that is relatively small in the grand scheme of things, and it has its own problems, its own internal dynamics and, and internal obstacles and various other things. So for somebody who's running a campaign, as you are, who's a candidate for president, who is of the left, I got to ask you, how do you view the Green Party and how do you view the potential of using the Green Party as a vehicle to build a larger movement? Not necessarily building their party, but building a movement. Is it a viable path? That's, that's a hard question for me, who is a person who's not in the Green Party. Um, uh, anything that I know about this is sort of, uh, it's circumstantial, you know, um, Having said that, I think that I certainly know that there are, and I know personally there are folks who um, who choose to spend their time uh, trying to work to see the Green Party develop into something that's you know in alignment with what you you had mentioned you know um, and if if that's what they choose to do and that makes strategic sense to them you know go for it like. I, I, everybody's got a role to play, I think, you know? Um, and I think that as opposed to me as a candidate, right? You know, Jill Stein's running as well. Um, you know, we have Gloria Lariva, Monica Moorhead, et cetera. Um, I'm not here to say, you know what? Fuck all them. Uh, look to me, look to the socials party, vote for me, you know, that sort of thing. Now, you know what? They, Everybody's got a role to play, you know. Um, now, if the folks, you know, I, I would, I would think that, and again, this is sort of circumstantial because I'm not in that position. Yeah, and, um, and I just want to say, I know I'm putting you kind of on the spot asking this question. Okay. I'm not trying to make you, you know, you know, poo-poo other people's work or anything like that. No, but no. but this, is a, this is a conversation that needs to be had because there are a lot of people who are, you know, championing the Greens and whatever, but there is a dialogue, I think, that needs to happen in the wider left around right. what the Green Party is and what the future holds for the left in general. So sure. that's why I'm asking. Okay, so for me personally, like, okay, I, you know, I'm one person, I have choices to make, you know, the journey that I took, you talked about, like, you know, the journey, your radicalization, etc. 
um, you know, for many different reasons. I've said about said them in, um, uh, you know, some of the other press pieces that, uh, you know, that I've done. Like, look, I started as a kid who got in a, a shitload of trouble, got in a lot of trouble with the law. Um, and then, you know, from my teenage years to my early 30s, I played music. Um, I had some really serious substance abuse problems, uh, did some pretty serious damage to my liver. Uh, by the time I was, I think your age, um, you know, I was kind of at the rock bottom, you know, and really didn't give a shit about anything. I didn't give a shit about anybody. I didn't care about myself. You know, I certainly wasn't involved in, in radical politics, you know, I mean, I was a fucking mess. Um, and, uh, just had gotten to a spot where I felt like, you know, this is the honest to God truth. Uh, my doctor um, had said to me, I think when I was 32, um, he said, you know, uh, if you were a cat, you'd be on your ninth life, right? Um, and, uh, you know, right around the time, I, I, I guess I felt like I'm either going to go in one direction and, you know, I'm not going to be around for, for a whole lot longer or somehow I'm going to try to figure out, like, what the fuck am I doing here, you know? Um, and, and start to like almost rebuild, um, and put, you know, one, just one piece together, take one step, you know, what baby step, one foot in front of the other. I, I had to fucking, you know, like learn how to learn again. You know, I mean, my head was, uh, it, it was just cobwebs. It was just a mess. And by the time that I, I, I started to gain some sort of like coherence, um, there was a realization that like, oh shit, you know? I'm speeding toward 40 um, and really feeling like I have a lot of catching up to do, you know? And as I'm going through that process, I'm also radicalizing, you know? And um, understanding that there was an identifiable source of the suffering, the oppression, the exploitation, capitalism, and also under, understanding that there is an identifiable solution, socialism, right? So just for me personally, a personal choice, who I am, um, my personal experiences, uh, I choose to lend my time and energy to a project um, and to an effort that is explicitly radical, you know, um, that there is not sort of a realignment effort, you know, uh, to push um, another, you know, mass of folks to try to push them to the left, you know, um, I know that there are always going to be people there who are going to try that, you know, they don't need me. Um, what I know is that all hands on deck for the explicitly radical stuff, they do need people, you know? Um, so just from what, who I am and where I'm coming from and just being completely honest with you, where I ch choose to spend my time is on that explicitly radical effort. I feel like I have a lot of ground to make up, you know? I have a lot of catch up to do. I'm still learning every day. Um, I have tremendous respect from folks across the left who are doing everything they can, um, you know, and facing these incredible challenges, but doing everything they can to see some sort of progress. Um, and knowing that there are folks who are approaching the Green Party um, in an effort to, to pull it to the left, go for it, you know? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm ready to work, you know? Uh, I, 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 I know Angela and I and the rest of the folks uh, with the campaign, look, we just want to be honest, um, maintain our integrity, um, and we want to be, um, you know, good comrades, you know, and, uh, uh, and supportive and encouraging. So if there are folks who choose, you know, we're aware of what you're talking about, this, this, um, you know, the situation with the Green Party, for sure. Um, and we do talk about it. And we, we do know there are folks who are engaged in that. More power to them, you know? And um, you're going to find allies here, you know? Uh, and, and, and friends and folks who are willing to do the work out in the streets, in our communities, you know? Um, so respect to folks who are, who are really doing whatever it is they can, making the choices that they are 
to, to, to advance to that revolutionary moment. You know, one thing that comes to my mind as you were speaking about that, and not to immediately switch into something a bit more theoretical, but I do think that it's germane to what we're saying here, and that is the uh, quite famous um, uh, work from Rosa Luxemburg, this question, reform or revolution? You know, right. and it's the sort of the age-old question on the left that's been debated for more than a hundred years, and in, in in many ways, it's still so relevant to, 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 to what we're doing now. And I guess what I'm what I'm asking is, is the choice a binary one or can we work for both? Is the, I mean, is it possible? Are they mutually exclusive? Is the Green Party strictly a reformist organization that for revolutionaries is a dead end or is it a vehicle, and not just the Green Party, but other parties as well, are sure. they vehicles to uh, maybe taking that intermediate step between where we are now and the revolutionary change that we want to see? Or am I just uh, making this into a utopian wet dream? Well, no, I, I, I think binaries are, are um, uh, you know, I, they're, they're going to be problematic. You know, I don't think it's an either or case. Um I think the folks who are engaged in that, you know, that effort within the Green Party, um, the only way to find out, you know, uh, about the possibilities is to do, you know, is to move forward. Um, you know, look, I belong to the Socialist Party USA. This is not a perfect organization, you know. Um, can I say with any degree of certainty that the Socialist Party USA is going to develop into, um, you know, a catalyst. I don't know, you know. Um, I'm going to do the best that I can. Um, I know many others are doing the best that they can, and I have faith in that, you know. Um, and I, I certainly have an interest in uh, connecting and building relationships with those folks and working together with those folks and to be as supportive as, you know, as I possibly can. I do have friends. We actually have dual members of the Socialist Party, uh, folks who, who are in the Green Party. You know, there's no ban on like uh, dual memberships with the Green Party. Um, and I think, you know, folks who have dual membership, they they might get a little bit of each, you know, like they can work on the stuff that the explicitly radical stuff. They can work on that, you know, the, that effort within the Green Party. Shit, that's that's fine, you know. I think another uh, way. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I know we're sure. up against the clock a little bit here. And I think another way that we could look at it, or maybe one potential, um, you know, middle ground, as it were, is this question of the five percent mark for the Green Party. There's a lot of people talking about that right now. That if the Green Party were able to get five percent in this election, they would have automatic ballot status and would actually provide a viable electoral choice. Now, electoral politics, from my perspective, is of secondary importance to the task of movement building and building viable alternatives in the communities. But electoral right. politics does have its place. Obviously, you believe that to some degree, otherwise you wouldn't be running a campaign, you know. Right. Um, and, and, and so I'm wondering... Is that 5% mark for the Green Party that would allow them to have ballot status, is that something that is worthwhile for all the rest of us who are outside of the Green Party? In other words, giving us something that we can do that one day every four years that we go into a voting booth while every other day of the year we're working on our various projects. Is that a way to look at it? I mean, I, you know, I, I think there are certainly a lot of folks who do feel that that's where their focus and energy should be on hitting that 5% mark, you know? Um, my job, well, that doesn't speak to me personally. Um, I'm also not here to fight them and to, to work to block that effort, you know? Um, Angela and I are very explicit about our feeling about votes uh, and, um, you know, why we run this campaign, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so acknowledging, you know, the 5% issue, you know, and knowing that there are folks who are focused on that, uh, this all boils down to, I think, everybody having a role to play, you know. Um, I, I do what I can, you know, and I, I feel like I do it in good conscience, and I also do it um, 
extending support and encouragement to folks who are working on, you know, a ton of different projects, you know, and I feel good about that. Um, and I, I, I'm just, I'm sort of at peace with, uh, with, you know, my decisions. Um, I, I, I'm not here to, like I said, to, to fight with folks who are working on those other projects, uh, the 5% threshold, you know, um, not at all. That, uh, I mean, if that's what folks want to do and they feel like that makes sense and that's going to be, um, you know, a, a significant contribution, shit, go for it. Like, we need every tool in the toolkit, and you know? That's exactly what I'm getting at. That right. is that is the point. We need every tool in the toolkit we from do, the man. electoral stuff to yep. all of the movement building and everything in between. Um, that's the key, I think. And that's yep. why for me personally, and now I'm just speaking only for myself, um, sure. I don't typically get too excited about any political parties i don't get particularly excited about elections i long ago resigned myself to president clinton as was in, as i think was inevitable from a long time coming but the reason i i want to have this conversation is because i think that it, it, we're coming to a point where we are running out of time. We are running out of time. The crises are upon us in such a serious way that I don't know that we have a lot of choices left. I, I, I think that um, the urgency, for sure, uh, it, it, it's there. Um, the science tells us, you know, with regard to climate change, we're, we're out of time, yeah, you know? Exactly. Uh, and, you know, look, we know that uh, U.S. imperialism has killed so many folks, you know, and will continue to kill so many. You know, we know that law enforcement here at home kills so many of us, you know, folks. And, um, geez, like what, to say we're on the clock is an understatement. Exactly. Um, we're out of time. And I really think that whatever it is, whatever the approach, when I consider that idea that we need every tool in the toolkit. It's that whatever it is that's out there, folks just need to do something, you know? Yep. And if it's a project of, you know, trying to reach that 5% threshold, go for it, you know? If it's a community project that's aimed at the abolition of the police, go for it, you know? Um, it, it, whatever the project might be, go for it. Take the step forward, you know? Because we need all those tools. We need every weapon to fight because this task is so great. The urgency is so great, you know, that we I don't think we, we can afford to say, well, you know, and I don't mean to say that we shouldn't be um, cognizant of capacity, you know. Of course, yeah. Sure, we should. I mean, we should make informed decisions. But while the left is, as you mentioned, is very small. Um, there are enough folks here uh, to engage in a way that's substantive and uh, that is impactful, you know? Definitely. And I, I think if we combine the way we approach one another, um, doing so in a very inclusive, warm uh, way that, it, that acknowledges our, our shared humanity and we approach our communities in that same way, that capacity will grow, you know? And our ability to use every tool in the toolbox becomes significantly greater. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm one person. I make my choices. I'm, I'm comfortable with my choices. Um, I, I'm also comfortable with folks who decide that they want to, um, you know, support uh, the Green Party campaign to reach that 5%. Go for it, you know. Um, I, I'm not going to get in your way. I'm not going to fight against you to, to reach that. You know, well, and 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 the last point on that that I that I just wanted to make is that so you want to be part of that initiative or that 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 move, you know, to to, to reach that mark. Great. Mm -hmm. Guess what? On November 9th, the rest of right. us are still here. That's the truth, man. I mean, that's, you know, Angela and I and you and, you know, we're all going to be here on November 9th, you know, Um I'm a community organizer. Angel's a community organizer. We're not going anywhere, you know. Um, whatever happens on the, you know, on election day, 
we're all going to be here. This work's still going to be here. And I think so much of what's happened up throughout this election, it seems that so many folks have been making new connections um, that I am very hopeful and optimistic that those relationships are, you know, November 9th is going to sort of bring in a new era, you know? Um, and I think a lot of folks are starting to get hip to that idea that November 9th is going to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, and we got a shitload of work to do, you know? November 9th, um, November 9th is going to happen. Then, yeah. ja then January 20th is going to happen. The new president yep. will be sworn in. And yep. what are you going to do then? Especially when the new war is launched, you know, the next war is launched. Are we going to be in the streets? Are we going to reconstitute an anti-war movement to build something? You know, those are, i just tell you real quickly, you know, in the demonstrations leading up to the war in Iraq, you know, I made made some well at the time were what I thought would be you know very lasting friendships lasting partnerships that I actually lived to see fall apart for the most part because of what I consider to be sort of the superficiality of a lot of what the anti-war movement in the Bush years was because it was so connected to the Democratic Party. It was so connected to the NGOs and the foundation money and all of the rest of that. Well, under a Hillary Clinton, none of that's going to be there. So the anti-war movement that we build now, in my view, is going to be a lot smaller, but is going to be a lot more genuine. And I think that that's important. And that's another step towards building the kind of uh, left that you and I have been talking about here tonight. I'm with you 100 percent. I mean, you and I spoke yesterday and like I said, I hadn't met you, you know, that's the first time I spoke to you, but it's like, well, shit, you know, like this guy knows what's up, you know? And I think there are a lot of folks who are on that page, you know? Um, I, I do have confidence and I do have faith that those folks are going to be there on November 9th and will be prepared, as you mentioned, um, you know, when we look at Syria and uh, we look at a Clinton presidency, that I do think folks are going to be prepared to engage in that anti-war effort. Yes, it, 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 it it may be uh, smaller, you know, uh, um, but as you said, your word, you know, it will be genuine, you know. And I also think that smaller doesn't necessarily mean that its impact won't won't be uh, significant, you know. It'll be bigger. It'll be a bigger Big, impact. We had hundreds right. of thousands of people in the streets and it didn't do all that much. Right. It, you know, I, I, th that's what I mean. That you, you know, that genuine, that 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 smaller, genuine anti-war movement. Uh, quite potentially um, could have a much more significant impact, you know? Um, and and I, I f I'm hopeful, you know? Um, I don't, you know, I know you're not gone anywhere, you know? Uh, that's, like, that's for sure. you're here for the fight, you know? Um, and I, it's every day, you just meet more and more folks who are, they're right there. And um, I think they're, un you know, folks really understand what's at stake here. So, I, you know, I, I'm just tremendously grateful, honored, you know, uh, to, to just to be here right now and to be able to, you know, spend time uh, with, with so many wonderful folks and to meet so many great folks with such incredible stories, you know, um, I'm very grateful. That's, that's very well said. Well, I promised I would get you out on time, so we're going to have to leave it there, but I do want to give you a chance. Please, please, please tell uh -huh. people... Where do they go to follow you? Where do they go to follow your campaign? What, uh, you know, give us the social media stuff. Give us the website. Anything else that you want people to know? I think um, just, you know, if you, the campaign's website is uh, uh, www.rev, uh, which is R-E-V as in victory, 1-6, which is 16.us. Um, and from there, you know, folks can check out media pieces. Um, there are links to our social media pages, to Facebook, Twitter, etc. Um, you know, uh, uh, articles, press, all that sort of shit. So, you know, check it out. Check out the Facebook stuff. As I mentioned, um, Angela and I and the rest of the folks on the campaign, uh, we really make a concerted effort to be responsive and accessible to folks, the folks who reach out every day. Um, so when you get a response you'll be getting a response from one of us, you know? So, uh, and, and again, you know, it, it's an honor. We, we feel um, so grateful to be able to do this. Uh, so again, thank you so much, Eric. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this.
Well, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I appreciate your, your honesty and obviously all the hard work you're doing both Thank there you. in your community in L.A., but also uh, more broadly speaking. Uh, so listeners, as always, um, do check out Mimi's stuff. Again, it's Mimi Soltisic of the Socialist Party USA. Uh, get get to that website, rev16.us, and yeah. uh, follow the work. And of course, as, as we said throughout this conversation, Anything that you want to get into is better than not getting into nothing. You know what I mean? (laughs) So uh, I don't believe that that was grammatically correct, but I'm not going to edit it out, you know, for that authenticity. So Mimi, (laughs) thanks so much for coming on the show. Listeners, thank you as always. Sorry for the late episode this week. Should be back on schedule hopefully next week. As always, thanks again. Talk to you soon.